And you're listening to another episode of The Wellness Couch. Thank you for joining us. Hope everyone is feeling great. We uh, uh, have Rani Buchanan on, uh, uh, Buchanan on tonight, so I hope you enjoy this interview that we've pre-recorded for you. heal itself, create an environment to heal itself. So in fact, most individuals seeing, um, seeking back pain relief really choose chiropractic treatment. And the theory is that proper alignment of the body's musculoskeletal system, um, especially the spine, will enable the body to heal itself without surgery and medication. Now tonight we've got a great, a very popular and well-known um, chiropractor, uh, Rani Buchanan. Welcome, Rani. Thank you, Katarina. How are you going, Ronnie? How are you going, Mark? Thank you. Thank you, having, thank you for having me on the show. So, obviously, the question is, how did you get into being a chiropractor? It was, it was a, a long pathway into chiropractic for me. Um, so, it, it began with a... I did a Bachelor of Applied Science in Human Movement at the, at the Ballarat University. And I think I was just um, interested in sport and athletics and yeah, football. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to continue doing PE classes, I think. <laughs> so is that the goal to become like a PE teacher? Um, not really. I was sort okay. of more interested in sort of, you know, gym work and yeah. uh, exercise prescription and rehabilitation and stuff like that. Um, but after being at uni for, for three years, um, I sort of didn't really know how I was going to use that that course um, and, and the information that I've got at uni there. So I did go down the path of being a school teacher after talking oh, to my mum. Oh, fantastic. Oh, you did? Yeah, okay. great. Didn't realise that. So how long did you teach for? Um, I did a year at um, in a small Catholic school between St. Arnold and Donald um, at a college called... Um, McCall yeah. 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 Um, so it's a, a Catholic small Catholic college and um, yeah that, that was a, a nice little entry into teaching and then I was pretty keen to get back home to the to the coast because I, you know, I love the beach and yeah, <laughs> and, the Bay. Mm, and I worked there for two years okay Actually, at the school like the school in Apollo Bay yeah, yeah nice. uh, that's why it's so popular um, I noticed digging up um, items for your bio that uh, at Trinity College, Captain, uh, you were college captain in 92. Jeez, you've dug, dug down deep. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is safe. Nothing is safe when she starts digging for a bio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's correct. Yeah, I did um, my final seven, uh, final um, secondary school at Trinity College. Yeah. Um, I, I, Spent a bit of time at Sacred Heart in the last couple of years at the primary school across the road where my dad dad was my grade six teacher, and then yeah oh, moved across the Trinity. <laughs> so teaching's in the family then. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Mum, dad's retired now, but mum's still a teacher. She's a um, principal of the Birragara. Um, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, nice. All right. So you're an avid athlete. Oh, it's obvious to see from your bio. Um, former Collect Tigers and Apollo Bay footballer, actually really well-renowned. A lot of people tell me how great you were. So tell me about your footballing um, career. 
Yeah, I just enjoyed playing footy and I moved around a lot as a as a kid and then also as a, a young adult. So I, I just it was a nice way to get involved in the community and just I, yeah, I just played footy wherever I went and yeah, had a lot of fun playing footy. We had I've got five brothers that all sort of love playing footy, so we played a fair bit of footy in the backyard at home. Yeah. yeah. So where do you fit in amongst the five brothers? Youngest, oldest, in the middle? I'm the eldest. Eldest. Yeah, I'm the eldest. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least you get to choose what game you play, don't you? And it's yeah, obviously yeah. in the DNA. It's obviously in the DNA as well, isn't it? The yeah, big happy name, obviously, is, is a football name. Yeah, there's uh, when you have six boys. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and then and I think back, you know, this is you know, 30 years ago now um, when we were kids growing up, you know, we just didn't have other things. You know, we just had yeah. balls and sporting equipment and it's pretty cheap. Cheap way of entertaining a group of boys. <laughs> yeah, be amazing to have five other brothers. Must be amazing. Yeah, it is. It's it is it is amazing. It's it's um yeah, growing up um was, was good fun. Yeah, and uh, now we're all sort of leading our lives in in different spaces and have our own little families popping up. But, um, and and in, in I've got a brother in Sydney and. Um, Two living in Melbourne and, and two in Geelong, so yeah, we're sort of scattered around now. But it's it's always nice to catch up. Yeah, that is nice, isn't it? And I hear you do a bit of running as well. Yeah, yep. I I did do. I haven't done a lot of running the last couple of years with um with uh, having the the, the, the kids. Um, so the the time to train for larger runs has been. Um, it just hasn't been available. But before we had kids, Danica and I, my fiance, we both um, yeah, did the um, Great Ocean Road Marathon. I did it twice, and, and Danica actually did the Melbourne full Melbourne Marathon as well. Fantastic! Yeah, yeah, we, well done. We did a lot of training together um, before we had kids. And, yeah, that's yeah, a nice, nice way to do it. Oh, you get on well with Brett then. He's um he's an ultra marathon runner. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on the Great Ocean Road, don't you? Uh, do the Great Ocean Walk generally. Um, yep. I haven't done that for a couple of years now. Yep. How far is that? It's 100. 100, yeah. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah, so you start at the anchor in front of the pub. Yep. Then you finish at the 12 Apostles Information Centre. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. And what a beautiful environment to go for a bit of a jogging. Yeah, look, it, it's, it is spectacular. You just run along the, well... I didn't run because I'm not that fast, but the guys, you, you jog along the top of the, the cliffs there, it's just spectacular, especially uh, for people at my pace. I'm going through there at night time. So um, it's just just beautiful. Amazing, yeah. I've yeah. got a lot of dogs and um, really good mates with Darren Gill. You know Gilly? Yeah, <laughs> Gilly, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I can see a few of the other guys around town, but we've done a lot of diving along those little wow. holes. And, yeah, so. It's a, definitely a special part of the world to... Yeah, it is actually. It's a beautiful spot to, to run. Um, so if you ever get the chance, I can highly, highly recommend it. Though they, they run it every October. Um, I used to run, part of our training run, we used to run out to the Elliott River and... Yep. Oh, yeah. Or sometimes just to the top of um, Storm Point. Yep. Danica and I used to do their little stair, the stairs up there. We used to do little repeats. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's um. That's a sea across that's the road. That's pretty steep yeah. to do repeats on. Yeah, I reckon we only did sort of. <laughs> <three> <laughs> nice day, yeah. But how did, how did the, I guess that 
love of sport then lead you into chiro, being chiropractic work? Yeah, well, probably one of my first experience at, at, um, in, in receiving a chiropractic treatment was after, I think, my first year of competitive football. I was only pretty, I think, I, so I grew up in forest, so we had, um, you know, a lot of young kids playing footy in the under-16s. So I, I suppose every kid from every kid from 12 to 16 was playing in the team. And you know, I got a little me in the back and just had a bit of a bit of a um, a sore low back. And um, I, I went to one of the local chiropractors in in uh, in Colac, and uh, yeah, I just got a lot out of that as as a kid, and I felt felt a lot of relief and was able to get back out and play footy again straight away so I just thought it was magic it was my first really my first experience with any sort of hands-on healing so um yeah it it was a obviously a really good experience for me and um yeah when I when I was reconsidering my options later on I suppose that's having that that initial good um experience with chiropractic treatment um and and then ongoing care as I got older um it, it um, I suppose it, it influenced me to to, to apply for a, a spot at RMIT. Yeah, and it's interesting because sometimes it's those early experiences, isn't it? So really, still just a you know a teenager, really, when you get to experience that. But it's, it sticks with you, doesn't it? Like it can be life changing. Some if you get the right practitioner who treats you the right way and you get the right result, you know, it yes. can re- definitely ch- change the course of your life. Yeah, um, and it, I mean, you take it probably in practice, you take, it's easy after being practising for years to um, look over that a little bit, actually, and, and yeah. that that you have as a practitioner on a young person um, is really special if that's their first experience of, of healing from, from the outside. Yeah. You know, I've had... Um, um, some amazing experiences with chiropractic care and um, my fascination with the nerve chart because I worked with three chiropractors at a previous clinic um, it's absolutely amazing how the spine aligns with all the nervous system and how they can affect the functioning of the, the actual body um, so mm. just amazing um, vertebral subluxation charts that, that are available to mm. look at that was my first fascination but um, I think um, We've had lots of care with chiropractic care um, after birthing children naturally mm-hmm. um, just to align the hips once again and also the cranial system of the children. Yep. Now, and you're in this perfect position because you've just graduated or completed your postgraduate studies in paediatric care, haven't you, from the Australian College of Chiropractic Paediatrics. And you've got two young children so you've got so much experience behind you to actually um, to head the uh, paediatric care in chiropractic system. Yeah, it was it was timely. Um, I had uh, in that two year um, of of study, I had children, my own little lab rats, to, to um, <laughs> so yeah, that, that that was really good, and it, I. I when we had um, Novi, her birth didn't go according to plan, and there was a few, few stresses on mum and and baby. And oh. um, when it, it, it certainly um, it put me in a position to realise that I really wanted to, to be the best 
as I, the best I could to, to provide the best help that I could for my 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 family and yeah and it made me look at how um in, in my clinic too I, I wanted to make sure that when I I suppose you've witnessed something so powerful and it's so stressful if it's not happening and and in the mm. aftermath you you're concerned is everything okay here how do I you know how do I um assess this situation and, and make sure everyone's moving ahead well um so that was that that sort of really weighed into to me kind of, I, I need to really learn more and more and more and, and and in 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 learning about pediatrics i just you know i do have a real genuine love for that early nervous system you know the early nervous system is just amazing and it's you know it's so pre-programmed with um you know its first three months of life is so um driven by you know brainstem function which is just reflexive activity and it's it's fascinating to to measure you know the, the nervous system and see how it's functioning because it's like a program and it's, it's it's so nice to to see it working well and it's concerning to see it not working well and it's so rewarding to restore mm. body and see that nervous system and reflex behavior come on which is really important for um setting up um you know, development in so many other areas and, and has you know, far-reaching effects even down, you know, many years down the, down the line. Yeah. Yeah, well, during the birth process, whether it be natural, caesarean or um, assisted, um, there may be much trauma to the infant. Um, I've seen many of those cases. So nerve dysfunction commonly occurs during the birthing process, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, and you're spot on, you know, reading articles on... Um, there was an article early on in the course that we, we read um, and it was discussing normal birth and, and um, it investigated um, through MRI and ultrasound um, bruising or bleeding on the brain and, and these were just normal vaginal births. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what it's saying is a normal birth without an intervention still has the possibility to, to cause like a subdural bleed. Most definitely. In fact, some of the issues that you probably see um, or that, you know, pediatrics, um, pediatricians see, like breathing weakness, irritability, um, frequent spitting or vomiting is a a common one too, like colic, uh, irritability of the stomach or colon. Um, Many babies early on have difficulty attaching or feeding, sleeping problem, they have ear infections, hip dysplasia and tortillas of, you know, the neck. So... I mean, chiropractic care is highly efficacious for this. I know that when we had our own girls, that we really didn't weren't exposed to these common issues because we did have chiropractic care throughout um, early stages, yeah. didn't we? Yep. Yeah. Well, 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 what you've mentioned there, all those, um, all those conditions, they're probably if someone to ask ask me what's the main reason that parents bring their children to. A, to your chiropractic clinic, then exactly what you've said, all, all of the above. And, and they're, they're the, um, I suppose that's the nuts and bolts of paediatric chiropractic, dealing with those problems and, and trying to um, educate and um, make sure that, that our parents and our community that look after our kids are aware that these are not just... Um, they're not just problems of aesthetics, they're, they're problems mm. of neurological consequence. And, and the plagiocephaly 
there's a huge amount of research that links the, the neurological consequence of plagiocephaly with um, altered cognitive function and, and learning yeah. disability in, yeah. in early school. Yeah, like ADHD, mm. obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I just lost my train of thought, sorry. So how, I guess as a question more for the audience really, is it, what age would you start seeing a child, like a, especially an infant coming in, What, how young is too young or is there no such thing as too young? Yeah, well, it, it, the, it, <laughs> the dogs are having a nightmare in the background. <laughs> have you got a storm going through as well? <laughs> We got dingoes at how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Winnie. Winnie's having a nightmare. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah. So the the age is um you know we've had babies in you know within the first couple of weeks of, of life. Yeah. Um yeah. and you know most commonly those early ones are feeding feeding disability uh, feeding troubles you know, yeah. not not attaching yeah. or um you know. Irritability, um, colicky babies, babies that just won't stop crying. Yeah. And that can um, really yeah. um, put some pressure on the families, kind of, you know, sleepless nights. Um, some mothers feel like, um, you know, that like they're not mothering correctly. So it can really affect their self-esteem as, as a mother. Definitely, yeah, yep. Um, the, the, you know, the feeding issue and breastfeeding, It's oh, I see that as a when we get um, um, new mamas in that might be having trouble with attachment, I mean, it's just so important to, to yeah. support them. And, you know, if, if we can do anything to, to help support that um, experience of breastfeeding and make it easier and, um, you know, it, it's just so important. And once again, the, the ramifications of, of correcting dysfunction and allowing a baby to feed properly um, you know, the, the, the research is all out there that, that shows that um, if we can maintain breastfeeding for as a, a longer period of time, then the immune system of the baby is going to be a lot, a lot healthier. You know, um, Rani, we spoke before about um, what the government was questioning about paediatric care uh, for under 12. How did that come about? Because, I mean... Um, the safety of paediatric chiropractic care is, is highly supported in scientific literature. We've got lots of studies. We've got, um, no, like 2008, the study of 781 paediatric patients under three years of age, 73% um, who were under 13 weeks who received a total of 5,242 uh, chiropractic treatments at a teaching clinic over a three-year period and found no serious adverse events occurred whatsoever with chiropractors. So where did the government start um, warranting that there was issues with chiropractic care? Yeah, I think um, the, the issue of safety, you, you know, you can reel off, you know, a dozen studies that, that, mm. that show exactly the same stats that, you know, there's never been a, a death reported um, in, in Australia mm. from chiropractic care. Um, in, you know, there, there was, there, there have been a couple of mishaps overseas in the in European studies that that um, I think there was one one um, infant death, but it wasn't from a chiropractor. It was from, I believe, an unregistered practitioner. Um, so, not even sure what what treatment was rendered. And um, yeah, so I, I, look, the, the the stats are are clear, and you've done some good research and. You know, there's many other 
um, more recent articles that also tell the same story. So I'm not quite sure you know, how it, it's come about that the, the safety and efficacy of um, chiropractic care is um, questioned. But having said that, um, there are questions about the level of um, strength of research and that's something that our profession and especially in our course um, we, we discussed a lot and, and and we need to as a as a profession and this is this is probably for all healthcare natural uh... healthcare practitioners um, you know we need more researchers we need more researchers that are well qualified to do um, research of of a strong nature that stands up to you know the rigorous scrutiny that is applied to it when when it's put put on, under pressure as in this situation which requires more funding obviously yeah yeah, yeah more funding yeah. you know we need support at an institutional level and you know that getting yeah. support through institutions you know that's you know, that can be tricky too and and there's there's been barriers i think put in place in some institutions that might might make it hard for for natural healthcare too that's getting quite yeah, yeah, off off the track a little bit, but yeah, mm. yeah. Look, it was highly efficacious. Um, I know myself during my treatment. Um, I know that I went to my chiropractor as soon as I gave birth, and and aligning of the hips. I didn't have the normal issues that a lot of um, mothers do after giving birth. But um, you know, we talked about colicky um, babies, how they can cry and cry and cry, and can really upset the family and traumatize the family. Um, and affect the self-esteem of the parents, obviously, because it questions them, you know, whether they're good parents or not. But a study of colicky babies found daily crying time decreased by 48% in those mm. babies who, who received chiropractic care compared to 18% in babies who received no chiropractic care. So it's a highly efficacious modality. We can see that. Mm, yeah. And the, the, the newest um, study to investigate um, not just chiro chiropractic care but manual therapy was done and and it will be published in the the british journal of medicine and it's presented by a um a researcher called dawn cairns who's a european researcher she, so she was um, hired by the um australian um college of chiropractic pediatrics to perform right. um an investigation that compared manual therapy with um, proton pump inhibitors, so your, your reflux medications. Yeah. This, this is a great study and it yeah. also shows, and also in amongst that study, they, they ran probiotics as well. So probiotic therapy actually reduced crying time even more than manual therapy. Manual therapy re, re um, reduced crying time significantly. They both had a very low risk and PPIs had no effect on crying time and there is an amazing amount of adverse um, effects related to that treatment. Fantastic. So that's a great um, study and it will be presented in Europe at some different um, gatherings and it's also going to be published in the British Journal of Medicine. Great. Oh, yeah, fantastic. It's, those, it's really those journals that create, I guess, a lot of um, 
power behind yeah, behind the research itself, doesn't it? It sort of lends its weight to it. Yeah, and, and that's what, that's what natural medicine yeah. yeah. we, we need really good um, research. And, um, you know, then, then, then we're sort of we're playing, playing the, the, the game on, on an even term when, when it comes Definitely. to <laughs> Yeah. Definitely. Rani, can you take us, I mean, we've had, um, our children have had manipulation, um, paediatric care, I, I think within the first weeks of, of being born. So can you um, tell the audience of what it's like to actually manually look after a baby? I mean, you don't go in there and kick, 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 you're not, but um, you're using the... Yeah, you're not yeah. sort of holding them up and cracking their bones <laughs> or anything like that, are you? Holding them upside down and smacking them no. on the butt, no? No, no. Um, and the, the first thing that we do is take a really in-depth history. Um, so our my first consultation, it will go from anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour and we just listen to the birth story and, and take a, you know, take some notes and there's so many clues you can get um, from, from that history taking that, that if you do it really well, you, you've probably got a, a really keen idea of, of where you're going to, to do your treatment anyway. And then um, back that up with a really, really um, comprehensive um, clinical examination and neurological examination and, and we're looking for, um, you know, structural and neurological indicators then to, to back up the, the assumptions that we, we are leaning towards through our history exam. Yeah. And I'm sure it's similar for yourself, like as a remedial therapist, I know that you can tell so much about a person and I guess their lifestyle and some of the issues that they, or challenges they may face from just from feeling their muscles. And I'm sure it's probably very similar for yourself when you're, like I said, you're doing that examination. You can get, you can feel where things are out and and what that will be causing some of the challenges that will be coming. And the people themselves may not even be aware that that's linked until no. the treatment. Yeah, like no, cognitive function. Yeah. But I'll, I'll I'll put a little example in here to make it a bit more real life. So, yeah. in the history taking, if we learnt that the baby was born in a a posterior chin up position so that the occiput is jammed back and all the muscles are really tight at the back of the neck so in, in developmentally they might come in and the child's not rolling um put them on the ground they uh, so put them on their back they don't like um back time they don't like going in car seats because it's putting a lot of pressure on that area that's already been been damaged or, mm. or stressed um so then, you know, if we were to do like some some tests, like the pull to sit test, which assesses tone or, or neck function, they 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 might not do so well in that because their their head has already been, you know, it, it's favouring that position of extension. So when you go to pull them up off the ground, they're they're, they're not going to have that that neck control that you'd expect. Um, so, you know, that 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 history is 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 then confirmed by doing some some testing um at the back there the vagus nerve is is um one of the big nerves that creates problems for um colicky babies so the vagus nerve really important in you know, controlling the stomach um along with the vagus nerve out of that, that jugular foramen there there's two other nerves that control sucking and swallowing so those three cranial nerves 
quite often exhibit a, a, a triad of, of different symptoms, but related to the same stress. So we, we can get autonomic dysfunction through our, our vagal, vagal nerve um, tension. So that, that, that might look like um, altered pupil function. Um, so wow. we can check pupillary function. It might look like um, altered capillary refill in the blanching of the heel. So we can look at how well when we blanch the heel that the blood rushes back in and that, 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 that can give us more signs of autonomic dysfunction. We can listen to the heart. We want to make sure that you know, the heart's beating well. Um, then the other, the other two cranial nerves, we can check how well is the baby sucking, you know, what's going on with the tongue. Um, we get we get the history of you know we might get a history of projectile vomiting. Um, so you can see our history is linked to our physical exam, which is linked to our neurological exam. And if you do it all well, then you're really confident of, of applying a, a really precise um, adjustment, which you can retest because you've already you know done all this testing before. So the, the, the model of care is that Braden and, and Christian and, and then the other guys that have been responsible for creating our program is, is really um, good in the way that it's reproducible and we've got some pre-tests and, and post-tests that we can see change um, and they change really quickly in young children. And um, yeah. I can, it's a, just a, a great um, experience if, if it all flows nicely and, and we can see those neurological changes happening. How beautiful. Making such a change in people's lives, you know, and, and families, obviously. But um, what you were talking about, I mean, it's so interesting that, um, well, each pair of the nerve connects to the spinal cord and aligns with the specific region of the actual body. That is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're talking about the spinal nerves actually um, contributing a nerve supply to different muscles? Yeah, all functions of the body as well. And functions of the body, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that that upper cervical spine, which is, you know, quite often stressed in childbirth because yeah. that's the nature of a, of a baby coming out there. They're being compressed and twisted, and um, you know, the, the vagus nerve. It's our, it's our, you know, it's our parasympathetic nervous system. It's a key to to that um, tone of, of of our autonomic nervous system. So. You know, if it's not working well, then you know, there's going to be some you know, some problems. You're not able to relax either. You're not able to relax. You can't. Oh. You're not able to sleep. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, it's connected to the gut and in the enteric nervous system and has has a role in regulating serotonin and um, all those you know, neurotransmitters that are that are made in the gut and and given to the brain for for various different reasons, our vagus nerve is intimately involved in signalling to the gut what is needed and, and helping, you know, manage the, the flow of neurotransmitters between the gut and the brain. So it is our axis that connects our gut and our brain and it comes out of our neck. And, you know, if our neck is not working early on, then it's not setting us up for good health on a number of different levels. Yeah. Can I just uh, step back? A few months prior to baby being born, it might be a bit of a rabbit hole, but is there things that parents can do for their own health in their own, I guess, in their own lifestyle that will assist the, assist the infant after birth? But also once they come out and for, like you said, for their, for their nervous system, 
in the cognitive yeah. function. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 to, to get the baby out with the, the least amount of stress is obviously going to benefit the baby you know, after the baby is born. And so, you know, mothers um, who are pregnant receiving mm. manual therapy, not just chiropractic care, osteopathic care, massage, acupuncture, um, making sure that their body is moving well, um, that they're nice and flexible. It just allows a birth canal to open up. Oh, most definitely. Aligning the hips, yeah. Yeah, so then, then you're possibly avoiding birth complications, um, one mm -hmm. of the most common C-section births. You know, if we, if we, if we go down the, the path of a C-section birth, then, you know, there's, there's been a, a huge amount of studies on C-section births and, and linking them with altered gut microbiome, um, early history of antibiotic use, early history of significant mm -hmm. upper respiratory tract, lower respiratory tract, infections so you know getting the baby out without all that has a drastic and you know probably immeasurable effect on the baby's health yeah what a great start to a baby's life that has come out only yeah. that way how long beforehand do you recommend generally for women to start that sort of those activities like before they're pregnant while they're pregnant are you talking yeah, yeah. Um, it, I suppose it just depends on the, a person's health philosophy. Like quite often the first contact we have with pregnant mothers is because they have back pain and it's, look, it's really common. And yeah. if you're looking at the hormonal changes that are taking place in a, in a mother's body um, as they're pregnant, then there's good reason for there to be some instability around mm -hmm. that low back because we're producing a hormone that's, designed to allow everything stretch and be mobile. So we're, what we're getting there is a hypermobile lumbar spine, which predisposes to back pain. So it's nearly normal yeah. that it's, it's not uncommon that, that um, mothers will have back pain. But, you know, knowing that, then some, some mothers will also choose to get on the front foot and say, you know, I don't want back pain. I'll, I'll take some preventative care and, and do some, some sort of proactive um, care to stop back pain coming at all, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and quite often, I think when, when we get pregnant too, there's a lot of old wives' sales that go with it and don't do this and don't do that. So the chiropractic <laughs> is something that works very well, isn't it? In, in support of, of the, um, the pregnancy and the birth process. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I, 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 um, yeah we, we have a, a constant sort of flow of... Um, mothers coming in during pregnancy for for, for uh, help with back pain and and then you know quite a lot of them then might use us for, for not just back pain but for, for other other things as well yeah but it's it, yeah it's a it's probably one of the as far as what chiropractors are known for then low back pain is is something that would come up um, high on, on in people's minds yeah What's the difference between acute and chronic back pain? Um, so chronic is something that's just been ongoing and um, acute is usually um, some, an episode that has arisen in, in the last week or so. So when do you, you suggest have... that they should book in for a treatment? Um, is it, are we talking about pregnant mamas? 
Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, um, well, do lots both. of individuals yeah, do both because, I mean, um, chiropractic care, that is one of the modalities that people with acute or chronic back pain actually seek out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I just didn't, I didn't understand that question. Sorry. About when, yeah, for um, when should people book in for acute? I, I so is, that, yeah. is it on the onset of a back pain or, or, you know, some people think I'll just wait, maybe it'll go away or, you know, um, I'll, I'll just continue to see what's going on with my back. And then what actually happens, it turns to be a chronic issue over time. Yeah. So um, ideally, um, natural therapies um, and natural therapists, I would say most of them would recognise that we can have a role to play in, in maintaining a body without letting it get into a chronic pain state. Um, there's many advantages to doing that. Um, you know, chronic pain, once once you go down that path, it can be quite hard to reel it back in. Um, and, you know, our body moving properly, because um, most people are in chronic pain, you, you, when you assess them, you, you find a myriad of, um, you know, problems and, and, and many parts of the body compensating and, um, the, the, the big problem with the body that's not moving properly is, is we start to, to realise some um, central nervous system changes. And some of the things that I'm really on the lookout for now is balance changes. What effect does a body that's in pain and not moving do to the brain? Um, I really like to do, I really love to test the cerebellum in these people because people who have been in chronic pain and, pos and most likely not moving well. Um, the cerebellum starts to become dysfunctional. So things like trying to locate if your nose on your face with your finger, with your eyes closed, all of a sudden, you know, you're hitting yourself on the cheek or you're hitting yourself on the, on the chin. And these are real changes that happen to people whose bodies aren't working well and have, and they've been, if they've been dealing with chronic pain, then this is a real possibility. We get, um, central nervous system changes happening. Is that the same as like misjudging the height of car doors and stuff like that and cracking your head? <laughs> yeah, yeah, going, going to go through the door and smacking your elbow <laughs> on the side of it. Yeah. That's your height. That's just your height. Mm. I did that the other day. <laughs> There's heaps of on the on car door. We do a heap of cerebellar testing on, on um, so more um, children. Um, and my case study that I presented to the um, to receive my degree in paediatrics was based on a, a child that had a, you know, a, a behavioural slash um, inattention sensory sort of problem. And certainly when you're testing these kids, lots of them have, if, if, if it's driven by um, poor body movement, say a, a jammed occiput that's put a lot of pressure on the upper cervical spine, um, you know, the, the peripheral, the proliferation of, of neural circuits in the first two, three years of life, if we're having um, significant altered cervical spine dysfunction, then we're going to get a whole different wiring of the brain and we're probably going to see with that, well, with the kids that I'm testing, we, we can see a very poor cerebellar function and, and the, the what type of, of symptoms, sorry, Rani, what type of symptoms um, would our audience look out for to start questioning so, 
So things like not being able to sit up straight for any more than two yeah. seconds, you know, they, they try and sit up and they just slump because it just, you know, it just feels yeah. uncomfortable or they just haven't got the strength in their body. Um, falling over, clumsiness, um, um, having, you know, task problems with pens and, and, and dexterity in, in general. Um, they're, they're the things that you would see from a, from a, a person who may not um, know anything about a cerebellum. They might just come in and say, my child is falling over like they keep banging in and banging into things. So, so I suppose clumsiness is probably the most obvious one. But so how long would it normally take um, to correct those type of symptoms or, or type of issues that you actually see? So the, the, the clumsiness stuff, um, usually about six weeks. And then the other stuff that comes with it may, may take a little bit longer. So because the cerebellum also um, is the, it's like the, the coordinator of um, all the other cortical pathways, we might start to get some sensory processing disorders like visual memory disturbances. Wow. wow. Yeah, so learning issues come into play. Yep, yep. Yeah. Our cerebellum, um, it's an interesting story in the 1960s the guy Holmes he did the early research into the cerebellum and the, it was just sort of um, it, it, its role was seen to be in motor um, movement and, and, and balance but in the 80s the, the next sort of big sort of shift in understanding about the cerebellum came through the work of Sherman and Sherman and it um, they did a oh, heap of tests on people that had, had cerebellar um, bleeds or you know, cerebellar trauma, and they then were able to link poor motor function, poor balance, and totally sort of abnormal personality disorders. Oh. So they, I think they went into institutions um, where oh. people were exhibiting crazy behaviour, and they were able to do better analysis because we had better posterior fossa imaging modalities and, and so they were able to confirm the destruction of cerebellum and link motor dysfunction, balance dysfunction and cognitive affective disorders. So this is now a medical term, cerebellar cognitive affective disorders and in children it, it reads just like autism. Wow. So are parents surprised when... Um I don't know if you, you can call it diagnosis, but are, are parents surprised um, that their, you know, children's learning behaviours and cognitive functions improve just uh, upon manipulation of the spine? Yeah, it, it, and, I, and to be honest, I was surprised because this is something that I didn't have a grip on until 18 months ago. So I was really blown away. Yeah, and, and the parents are absolutely surprised, um, you know, uh, the first case will always be the first case that I managed in this way and did all the appropriate sort of um, balance testing and um, developmental assessment um, will I'll always come back to that because that's, that's what really taught me the importance of the cerebellum in terms of cognitive and affective function. Um, and, yeah, the mother and the, 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 the family... And, and even the, the staff of the school involved were totally intrigued and it actually led me to go down to the staff and, and do a, a one-hour presentation that went for two hours. Because the discussion was of, yeah, of 
of excitement and intrigue, yeah. That's fantastic research. I mean, what value um, you add to the community. Um, but also I think it, it makes the teachers look at children in a different way too, doesn't it? Yeah. Like quite often I think the schooling systems, you know, it's very easy to put a label on a child mm. and, and, and unfortunately that, that, that yeah. label then sticks with that child for their life yeah. for, in many cases. And mm. to provide teachers another avenue, provide teachers a different perspective yeah. and provide teachers with, a, I guess, a different um, perspective that they can then talk with parents about. And I think the beauty of that is that you actually come from a teaching background as well. So mm. you know what it's like to have Lots of experience. You know, that behavioural the behavioral challenges of children in your class. So to be able to come from both perspectives, I think, would be very powerful in, from a teacher's perspective. Yeah, it, it is good because I know what it's like to be in classrooms and, 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 you know, some kids, they just they just can't get what you're saying or they seem to be wriggling around and they, they just can't sort of control themselves in an environment where there's a whole heap of stimulus. Yeah. That's really sad, though, to know that, um, you know, there could be learning disorders just due to spinal misalignment and it's not being caught. That's sort of really sad for the child, you know, as they grow and they progress um, in their life. But, um, you know, just a simple... I guess um, adjustment, adjustment, or, or you know, go and see a chiropractor, or go and see Rani, obviously, because he's got such a great reputation in the paediatric care um, for some type of assessment to see what's going on. The, the key is, I think, because um, uh, uh, we have a few different courses um, that are available to chiropractors to hone their paediatric skills, and and and. And overseas, there's some brilliant, you know, international chiropractors that also do a lot of mentoring and tutoring. And I think it's, the key is to tap into one of those sort of programs. Um, a chiropractor that is trained doesn't have to be with the same people that I've trained, but that has the skills to link, to find the dysfunction, find the neurological dysfunction, assess the cognitive function. Yeah. And, and put all those pieces together so that it makes sense, um, so that it's observable and measurable, so that we can really appreciate that there is benefit happening. What yeah. a change you can make to someone's life. That is absolutely amazing, you know, to their learning life. It's also rewind, rewind this situation. So a six-year-old coming in like that, if we rewind that and we look at them at... at um, so we look at we got to look at them at three months of age. There's have you guys heard of primitive reflexes? No, but you have. Yeah. So these prim, primitive reflexes, there's there's quite a lot of um, research on the re, the the primitive reflex called ATNR, the ATNR reflex, and it's also really heavily associated with autism. So it's it's the rolling the rolling reflex. So when a Child moves their head one way. Oh, sorry, we've got Mother Nature. Sorry, just like coming down the there. <laughs> the storm, as you can see, thunder and lightning. Yeah. Yes. So this re this reflex that enables um, a child to roll, um, if it's if it's there, obviously that's a good thing. If if we don't have it early on in life, then it's a sign that our neurological um, processes aren't working properly, and there's probably some structural problem that's inhibiting that reflex to be expressed. Are you guys having trouble hearing? Yeah, yeah just a little bit. lightning and thunder. Just had a massive, <laughs> just massive storm, storm as you can see in the background. 
That's pretty good. Mother, hey, Mother Nature's aligning herself. Yeah. Um, so what, what I'm saying is that the, some of the some of the primitive reflexes are. There's been a lot of research done that show that they, um, particularly the ATNR, is linked in with with autistic children. So mm -hmm. a, a high prevalence of autistic children display abnormal primitive reflex, um, either attainment or integration of these reflexes. Yep. So what we what we could see in a in a newborn baby that wasn't expressing these primitive reflexes, we would say this is a warning sign for later on down the track already. There's neck dysfunction. This primitive reflex isn't being expressed properly either in an, in an early early stage or if, in, if it's not integrated, then it may actually be there later on in life when it shouldn't be there. So primitive reflexes there, um, if they're not integrated, then our, our, they will inhibit our cortical growth as well. Wow. That's, that's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and that, that research, if, if, if you're interested in that, that, that particularly I find it amazing that there's all this, reflect, uh, all this research on this primitive reflex that's associated with autism and then that reflex is linked directly to um, neck movement. So if it's neck movement, if neck movement isn't happening, we can't express this reflex. And, and then at the other end, and I don't know whether there's a, a clear link made between the two, but for me, it's if you see a, a young, a, an infant, or a, um, that they can't move their neck properly and they're not expressing their primitive reflex of rolling properly, and then at six years of age, if we have children that also have, they still have their primitive reflex when it should be gone and... They're developing signs of autism. Then this is this is this is linked. It's a it's yeah. a yeah. it's a link. And I, I guess the, the the research is still in its early days. Well, that 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 primitive reflex stuff in autism. There's like it's it's just medical literature. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's nothing to do with any chiropractic research at all. It's you know look it up and go for it. You can read all about it. Yeah. But the link to you know chiropractic care, um, or not not just chiropractic care. If if anyone can can facilitate better range of motion at a neck, then they will help. I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's certainly not chiropractic research. This is this is um, neurology. This is stuff. Yeah. Like neurological journals. Do you find, Ronnie, though, that the chiropractic care is helping? In, with the autistic children, especially when they, especially when they're young. Well, um, yeah, I think what what I would what I would say is some of the kids that come in have behaviours that look like autism. Yeah. And yes, behaviours, um, you know, concentration behaviours, um, yeah. being able to being happier, yeah. being able to listen, being able to sit still. Yeah, these are the things that are definitely changing and, and reported to me to be changing yeah. and then i'm looking at more of the, the neurological indicators that i want to see from a clinical point of view change and that's where you know if we have a primitive reflex it's still there we want to see that gone yeah that's a proper cortical function wow so that's, that's fantastic that's great yeah. and so much value to the community um obviously 
your reputation precedes you, though, that your great chiropractor or your clients rave about you. And now you've got the pediatric care to back you up as well as having the experience with the two children that you have. So just perfect um, if anyone needs any pediatric care to go and see Rani. So, Rani, unfortunately, our hour has flown by. It's just um, God, so already. Already? Yeah, I know. I was just Really so, listening to that, looking forward so to it. How, how can people connect with you? How can people find you? How can people, uh, you know, get into your clinic? And do you have like, do you have a social media presence that you post on, whether through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, or is it just purely straight into the clinic? I'm I'm a bit easier to I'm a little bit easier to find than David Capon. <laughs> <laughs> He's a. I've got I've got, I've got well, a. I've got a Facebook page. You've got a Facebook page, yeah. And I'm working on getting an Instagram account and um, I've got to find somewhere out there on the internet, I've got a web page, but it's gone It's gone amiss. It needs a bit of loving. Wait till your kids are about 12. They'll do it for you. <laughs> no, this is the project for, for this year is to try and... Um, to link my web page with my Facebook page and an Instagram account, but we'll see how we go. Okay, so, <laughs> so you can contact us through our Facebook page or um, you can ring our clinics, which um, ring our clinic in Colac, which um, take, takes bookings for Colac and Apollo. Um, clinic numbers 0352 312069. Lovely. So it's and the name, Buchanan, of, oh. name, name of the clinic? Uh, Buchanan Family Chiropractic. Lovely. Uh, is that the name of your Facebook page as well? Yep. Lovely. So people can go there and, and connect with you through those through those avenues. Yeah, some, some, we get a lot of messages there for can, can you book me in sort of thing. So, yeah, we're monitoring that. Um, yeah. So if anyone wanted any information or... Um, yeah, and if there's any questions to ask, then that'd be a good space to put it in. And yeah, lovely. well, your wealth of knowledge. I actually really enjoyed listening to you tonight. Thank you so much for opening well, up. Thank you. thank you, thank you for um, giving me the opportunity, and um, and thank you to all the patients that support um, my business and and I'm right. Without our patients, um, you know, we wouldn't be able to practice and, and and improve and um yeah i'm really i feel really um fortunate because our patients in apollo bay and, and colac are really lovely people well ronnie i think we're really lucky to have you in our community thank you so much um for for spreading so much um knowledge and our value to our community thank you uh, my pleasure thank you that that hour certainly did go quick <laughs> what started I want to be a shopkeeper. We started again. And you're listening to The Wellness Couch. I'm uh, speaking to Ronnie Buchanan. I hope you enjoyed that interview. And uh, we'll be back where The Wellness Couch, where science meets ancient wisdom, 3ABR 87.6 FM. Good night. And you're listening to Radio Apollo Bay. 